0: Welcome to CPF FireWire, a podcast from California professional firefighters where we discuss a wide range of issues affecting firefighters, our
1: unions, our families, and the communities we serve. Hello and welcome to the CPF FireWire. I'm CPF President Brian Rice. And as your firefighter voice in the halls of the Capitol, CPF's mission is simple and very focused. We work on the issues that impact firefighters, their families and public safety. And in advocating for our members, CPF takes a nonpartisan approach and we work with Republican and Democrats in the legislature and we stand with those who stand with us. And it also helps when there are leaders in government who have walked in our boots, as firefighters themselves, and today on the firewire, I'm pleased to have someone uh, with me and joining us today who has both of those qualities. And um, want to welcome Heath Flora. Heath is an assembly, a Republican assembly member from the city of Ripon, which is in the northern um, area of San Joaquin Valley. Uh, he currently represents the ninth assembly district, which covers. Uh, parts of five Central Valley counties. He was first elected to the legislature in two thousand and excuse me, two thousand and sixteen. And Heath actually served for over 15 years as a volunteer firefighter, and then he spent three years working for CAL FIRE. And since he came to Sacramento, Heath has been a steadfast, a steadfast champion um, for our members. He stood with firefighters even when it hasn't been easy, and I've stood there with him when it hasn't been easy for him to do so. And Heath, it's been a long time coming, and it's a pleasure to welcome you to the CPF FireWire. Thanks for being here today.
0: Oh, it's great to be with you. Pretty- Appreciate the invitation. Look forward to it. You were a firefighter. You are one of us. You were, are, and always will be.
1: Talk to me about kind of your path into the fire service. What it was like for you growing up, and then um, how did you how did you make that transition into the legislature? what What interest you? What interested you in law and policy at a statewide level?
0: Yeah, no, appreciate it. Um, so it was probably freshman year of high school um i started getting involved yeah then really s- junior year got involved as a fire explorer with slide of fire um just outside of uh, well just a little bit south of ripon where i, I live was a v- explorer with slide of fire uh, was a volunteer with slide of fire 2005 got hired with cal fire and that was just an incredible experience moved over to woodland avenue as a volunteer firefighter there and, and kind of moved up through the ranks there but through that relationship you know got to know jair very well uh-huh. and all the modesto guys one thing about the central valley the relationship between volunteers and paid is, is usually very strong. And right. it's something that we, we have a mutual respect for each other and it's something that has always been appreciated. And so uh, Senator Anthony Canella was a dear friend of mine. And we were up in Sacramento, I was always just his friend. And if he would have told me a decade ago that I'd be involved in politics, I said, you have out of your mind. This was not the <laughs> career path that I thought I was gonna be on. Um, we were in Sacramento, and you know, as a Republican, that understands labor issues. Um, my family's in small business and agriculture. One day we we're, were at uh, Chops. Now it's mm-hmm. Prelude. Yeah. And he was like, "Hey, you should think about running for office." Uh, Similar woman Olson, uh, who held that seat, was terming out, and so we said, "Sure." And at that time, there was uh, four other Republicans, uh, two Democrats in that seat. It ended up becoming a Republican on Republican race. Uh, CPF is a huge reason that I got elected. And so it's just been a great partnership. And when you get to Sacramento, you realize very quickly that, yeah, the Democrats are in control. um, And that's okay. Um, We as Republicans can find our niches. We can find ways to be relevant. And, you know, when you realize that you are one vote, when you realize that you need 40 other friends and you don't. Get friends by being a jerk. You don't yeah. get friends by, you know, not being able to build relationships. And I've used this term a lot and, and I really do credit the you know, fire service, public safety, whether you know, how wherever you come from, but people don't call 911 because they're having a really good day. Right. Right? They just don't. Nobody calls an elected official's office because they're having a really good day. And so when you can take a step back and you realize that you're there to support them, you're there to make their bad day a little bit better, it's all public service to me. And so to serve, whether it's on a fire line with Cal Fire or in the state capitol, to me, it's public service. And it's just part of what makes me tick as a human being. So it's a, it's a lot of fun to be serving um, in this capacity and serving and protecting the firefighters in the way that I can.
1: It's... Um... That really speaks to your motivation to to seek elected office and and be there. What in in the legislature? Um, what are some of your top priorities that you look at for your district and then also for the state? Just a couple of them. Um, certainly within public safety, and then without, what's important to you yeah. and and the people you
0: represent? I think on the public safety front, you know, this understanding that um, cancer related illnesses are absolutely prevalent within the fire service, right? And I think the last number of years, uh, CPF has done a really good job of putting light on those. I feel like those are very nonpartisan issues if we educate people properly. And I think we are, we're getting there. It's taken a little bit of time, but I think we're getting there because, I mean, we look at recruitment rates. I mean, recruitment's down. And I think a lot of this is maybe, a generation that just doesn't understand the fire service just yet. And then there's some legitimate you know, health concerns when you decide to serve in this capacity. Um, it does not come without risk. Right. You know, on the, putting on the business friendly side of my hat, you know, my, my district, a lot of folks in the legislature um, simply don't understand business. And it's not necessarily a knock on them. Um, when I first got elected in the state assembly in 2017, there was 17 of us that had held private sector jobs, 17 out of 80, right? Wow. So, and and that's Republican and Democrats alike. So when you talk to people about how a policy is going to hurt the small business community, it's not because they knowingly are just trying to hurt you or they don't care. They simply don't know. And I think it's been a lot of fun to really engage and try to get our colleagues to understand, like how a particular policy affects the small business community.
1: Your experience as a firefighter and um, somebody who has worked in the um, the private sector and been a small business owner how how's that experience kind of guided you um, in the legislature and just kind of build an understanding, like we always say, an across the aisle understanding.
0: It's a great question, and. and you know, my number one priority um, is to represent the ninth assembly district, mm-hmm. right? Those are my constituents. Um, those are the people that put me in office. And so that is my job. Um, very close to that though is, you know, representing the firefighters because that is something that is near and dear to my heart um, for a lot of different ways. Obviously my family's in small business mm-hmm. um, in the state of California, we're in manufacturing. So it is a very interesting dynamic because not all the times are those things align. In ACA 13, I think you're sort of seeing that, like there's, there's competing interests in those things. I think one of the things that really helps me out um, is the relationship that we have with with a lot of the trades, with you know the mm-hmm. firefighters, is this understanding that like I represent a Republican seat, so it's going to take me a little bit more time to educate my constituents on an issue. Right. A lot of times, people, when you read a bill, a piece of legislation, they usually get the Cliff Notes version, right? And they may get that Cliff Notes version from a, a an amendment that wasn't even you know relative anymore like it was just it's it's obsolete because you know how the bill process works right i mean things change a lot so we see that a lot within you know um, constituents where they they're maybe reading an old piece of legislation that the bill has moved on so it is up to the elected officials it's up to me to go educate them and once you educate people on an issue they may not always agree with you, right? But at least they respect you and the position that you have because of thought out. And a lot of times people don't really need you to be right. They just need to be listened to.
1: I never thought about this as an assembly or a Senate person in your district, how much educating you have to do with your constituents. That's one that I never thought of. And yeah. it makes such sense.
0: No, it does. I mean, there's, there's a lot of bills that we take, a lot of votes that we take on, on pieces of legislation that you never hear a, a word from. But then there's also a lot of bills that I say a lot. There's really not. There's probably five a year, maybe 10 on a busy year that really take time. And I really think that's something that elected officials have gotten lazy at. Um, COVID was the worst thing that could ever happen to an elected official, because I feel like our job, once again, is to represent constituencies. And when your doors are locked and they're not able to access you then we're not doing our jobs. And so I am a big fan of that education. You know, going to a Democrat or Republican central committee isn't always the best of times, right? Right. you're right. It's just not, no, Um, it can be a little brutal at times or it can be great. It it just kind of, you know, is what it is.
1: You see the extremes on the spectrum within the party and whether it's, you know, super liberal, super conservative, both parties do that.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And that's a hard place to be. But when you go, and you took a tough vote, and you take it on the chin, and you answer the questions. There's a uh, whether they like it or not. There's a mutual respect there, and yes. I think it's super important not to just shut people out.
1: Let's go back to one of your first mm-hmm. pieces of legislation um, in support of CalJack in um, pre apprenticeship academies, and you know these academies they help provide a path into the fire service, especially in uh, areas where um, folks are either underrepresented or disadvantaged. In 2017, you carried Mm -hmm. AB 579, which really um, helped get these academies off the ground. Kind of when we came to you with that, what were your thoughts going into it? And then um, where do you find yourself today, not just with that legislation, but as we move forward and build off of that?
0: So it's interesting, that particular piece of legislation, it's crazy. It's 2017. I know. know. It's it's ridiculous how fast time flies. Um, A lot of times kids don't, just don't have, they don't know what's out there. Right. And especially, you take West Modesta, west side of my community, for a long time, the fire service had a hard time recruiting people that looked like the community that they served. Yes. And so, if we were able to do that, so that kind of mindset, plus working with these gentlemen that came through the fire programs and now we're just incredible firemen that I had the privilege of working and serving with, was kind of why I fell in love with that bill. Because if we can have somebody go speak to a school, go teach an academy, be a, a guiding influence in somebody's life, we never know where that kid's going to turn out. Yeah. And I am a firm believer, and a lot, it's why I love the trades. If we can have people work in the communities that they live in, they grow up in, there's a tremendous amount of benefit to that. So it was one of the big reasons I love that piece of legislation.
1: I'll tell you, when we first started, you know, it started over the um, uh, pre employment academy with EMT. And um, currently, uh, we have, I think we have at least one paramedic class going right now. We might have two. Okay. Um, my apologies for not yeah. having that off the top of my head. But where we started and where we are, and you hit it. Um, I think we have an obligation um, as firefighters and in the communities we serve, all all of us, we have an obligation to reflect the communities that we serve. And what's interesting, and a lot of people, you know, when you have the conversation, sometimes people just go nuts. Oh, we're going to lower standards. We're going to do it. It's like, hold on, stop. Everybody put the brakes on. No one is talking about that. What folks are talking about would be bringing opportunities into communities that um, even if the opportunity passed through the community, it was at such a level that nobody identified with it. I don't know anybody that does that. I've never seen anybody that looks like me that does that. That's not for me. And it's interesting how when you just start engaging people and talking about the opportunity, you're not gonna get everybody. But I think that piece of legislation, Heath, it's still in its infancy, we're still growing it. I think that is going to be a game changer for the
0: California Fire Service. I think that there's a lot of misconceptions um, with the Republican Party and labor, right, across the board, right? And and part of it's our own doing. We have not been done a great job of, of having these conversations, but it is something that coming out of the labor, you know, background that I have, I'm super excited about our caucus right now um, because we are making those changes, we are educating. And it's largely because the trades and, and CPF have really come to the table with us, right? And I'm not the only Republican that t- that's that way, right? And I mean, our leader, James Gallagher mm-hmm. is that way, you know, um, a few of our members, and it's something that I'm excited about, the firefighters engaging with our party more than we've, we've ever seen before. Like, it really is encouraging to me because when we sit down and have those conversations, listen, we're gonna probably agree on eight out of 10 issues. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make me 20% my enemy, right?
1: Yeah, I make mean, exactly. a my friend, yes. right? And so
0: I think there's this—we like, don't have to agree on everything. There's this C word in politics that everybody gets all spun up about. It's called compromise. Well, and to me, that's just life. What part of your life do you go through on a daily basis that there's not some sort of compromise? Politics is nothing more than that. Yeah. So it's—it's it's
1: interesting. You know, I've done—I've uh, been a leader, a leader in labor almost my whole career, mm-hmm. and you're a hundred percent right. It's there when you get into these areas and if you want to be black and white on whatever it is, doesn't matter to me, um, you're going to be miserable and your chances of success are not going to be super high. Once in a while, those black and white areas hit and everybody hits on them and we all get it. But for the most part, um, I've watched good legislation develop through working together and compromise, you know, and it, it... this is what I appreciate. We, we don't live in kind of that... We watch kind of that national relationship, political relationship. And, and I appreciate the fact that we we work hard not to let any of that get on us, yeah. that, that we focus on the business at hand, and we focus on um, where we can work together and help each other. And I, and I want... People to take this the right way because that is what it's about. Yeah. Sometimes you have issues that hey Brian, this one this one hits here and it's important here. It does affect you. Will you guys consider right. coming in and supporting us on this? And because of our relationship, it's like yes, we'll consider it. And some of those things you know we've done, we're in, we'll do it. Some of them it's like hey, can you consider this part? And you've done the same thing with mm-hmm. us. That's how we're successful, and that's how we, um, I think, not only move the ball forward for firefighters, but we move the ball forward for the constituents in the ninth district, for the folks that you take care of.
0: 100%. And I, and I completely agree with you. I think this idea that, you know, politics is singular, it's mm-hmm. singular focused, I, I think is, is just a fascinating idea. I and mean, we have colleagues on both sides of the aisle, not a lot right now that, that, are, that are that way, right? And once again, I'll go back to COVID. You know, we, uh, when I got elected, a lot of the building had worked together for at least eight years, mm-hmm. six, seven years, or um, getting ready to term out. But there was some senior guys, you know, uh, former Senator uh, Tom Barry, who has passed away now, but, you know, Senator Anthony Canella, you know, uh, Senator Tony Atkins, like there's just a group that had been around for a minute, right? Yes. And so us young guys come in and our job is to shut up and learn, right? Just listen, right? Novel idea, right? <laughs> um, through COVID, though, we have went through a couple election cycles, a couple specials, and really almost... Two-thirds of the building has turned over.
1: Isn't that that something?
0: We've never had the opportunity to have collegiality. We've never had the opportunity to go break bread together, to go have a beer together, to build that relationship. You know, my colleague, who's the majority leader, Isaac Bryant, we come from very different places, right? Mm -hmm. But we're very good friends because we believe in the institution and making the institution run. He's the majority. I'm the Republican floor leader. We work together on a daily basis. And there's a ton of mutual respect there. And I am excited in the next few years because I I will say this last last year was rough. Um, It's probably the roughest I've seen it uh, since I've been elected. Um, and I blame that largely because we haven't had time to work together. Yeah. And once we can kind of put some, a few people on quiet time and then let the rest of us get, get to work, <laughs> I'm super excited about that.
1: What What do you see coming up? Um, you've got a couple of big bills out there. Yeah. Um, AB 1254. Um, yeah. that's a big one. Take us through that.
0: Um, yeah, the Cal Fire. One. Yeah. I can get really blunt with that one. Um, get,
1: get as blunt as you
0: want. <laughs> well, listen, I, I the men and women that work for the state of California, uh, which is obviously very passionate of mine, um, have, in my opinion, been underpaid, um, well, probably f- forever. And they are incredibly hardworking people. And to bring some parity, um, I think, is really, really important for a lot of different reasons. Um, right. Retention is, is one of them, right? Um, a lot of the friends that I've you know worked with are now BCs um, for the state. And to be able to run this is really, really exciting for me. It's also been really frustrating. Um, some of the, the numbers that department of finance has thrown out related to this bill, I just think are garbage. Um, I think it's a cop out. Um, when you get a, a span from 16 million to hundred million, I feel like there's a lot of numbers in between on what the actual cost is going to be. That's a big landing zone. It really is. I feel like yeah. that's a pretty, pretty safe spot to be for them, but that is a, that is a huge deal for me. I would be really, really excited if we could pull that off. You know, I am, Quite frankly, I mean, the dollar amounts that we're talking, if you use that $1,600, I mean, it's just that $16 million. It's not a ton of money uh, per year per mm-hmm. firefighter, um, but it's, it's something that needs to happen. I think we, we have spent so much money as a state, which I completely support on apparatus, on aircraft, on all of these big flashy things, which is incredibly important. Don't get yeah, me wrong. No, we yep. But now it's time to spend money on the men and women that are on the boots on the ground. And yeah. that's what I'm really, really excited about.
1: Let's look at it this way. It's time to modernize. The fire problem has grown. Um, we're seeing over and over that um, parity in both wages and parity in um, uh, hours worked per week. It's a safety thing. Totally. It really is. And yes. it, it, it is time for and it's going to be a tough one for the governor it's going to be tough for the administration he is taking it on more I'll tell you he has paid more attention to wildfire response thereof prevention and veg- vegetation management than probably the last five or six governors combined I would agree with that but we we still need to get that workforce bumped up and we need to see that safe staffing and um a reasonable work schedule in place. And that's a hard lift and we yep. know it and he knows it. I can tell you, we we have a lot of partners on this and CAL FIRE has a lot of partners on both sides of the aisle. And um, I know that it's very much appreciated. And one of the things that I tell firefighters, this is such a big discussion. Local 2881 can't do it all by themselves. They're, they're big and they can do a big lift, but we need to join in with our brothers yeah. and sisters on this and across the board Um, because our fire problem and our fire season is not gonna get shorter. It's not gonna get less complex and it's not gonna get less dangerous. And I I can tell you, Heath, having partners like you is a very big deal for us, a very big deal.
0: No, and I appreciate that. And I I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I mean, in 2005, you know, the first fire, campaign fire that went on was a Cedar fire, right? And that was a career fire. Yeah. Right. Yep. Well, we've had career fires, you know, the 20 years since almost 20 years. Right. Isn't that amazing? It's it's 18 years. That's insane to me. Right. And and, And Cedar
1: was a fatality, correct? We lost, we we lost a young
0: man out of Novato. I think that's right. Yep. Yes. That's correct. So, when we start talking about modernizing the fire service, I, I do agree with that. Um, I think that is a challenge because it, it was the model back in the day, right? And, and they did a really good job of, of seasonals and, and seasonal firefighters were the backbone for mm-hmm. a very, very long time. And, and that's something that I think is something that we really need to remember. But I also know that these fires are burning faster. They're burning hotter. They're more complex um, than they have ever been. Yeah. And so we need people in there that, that are there all the time. Cal Fire is a very modern
1: yeah. and, and progressive um, fire suppression and prevention agency. It, we're talking about the staffing model Correct. to upgrade yes. that. No one has, you know, there's very few departments that have um, an air fleet like Cal Fire and heavy equipment, you know, a- operation. And what I don't want anybody out there is to think um, I'm not given the due that's due there. Oh, no. We're, we're talking about an area, it's people and staffing.
0: Totally. And I, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's very, there's those are two very different things. The governor has invested a ton of money to create one of the greatest, you know, fire departments in the world, right? Certainly within our country, there's a lot of great departments. Mm-hmm. I am obviously selfishly biased to the state just because I, I love the men and women that do that work. And you should be, and I should be, you're right. I should be. Um, but there is something on the personnel side that I think has been lacking. Yeah. And, and that is no disrespect to the men and women that were there when I was there. Cause like I said, they most, a lot of them are still there. Right. Yeah. Um, so we just need to, to pay them properly. We need to. And then, I mean, we haven't even talked about the mental health side of things. Like, you know, the state of California, these guys are gone. I mean, I've got friends that have been they've really gone 300 days out of the year, right? You know. know, 250 days out of the year. I'm sorry. Every now and then, like, people are human. They need a break. And um, I think that mental health, as long as the physical aspects of it, is uh, something that we really need to get on top of.
1: And that was the one, and you said it, and I do appreciate the governor for this because he has invested 100% mm-hmm. in our behavioral health stuff. Yes. And it's, it's like you said, it's all these things do come together mm-hmm. and we need to show and educate how they impact each other, sometimes positive, sometimes negative. Mm-hmm. And it just, it is, it's one of those ones. We had a staffing model that worked from when it was invented to now, yeah. um, we have a year round fire season. We got to make some adjustments. That's right. It's as simple as that. So, yeah. um as, as a Republican in, a, um, in, obviously, a minority in Sacramento, both houses of the legislature are dominated by Democrats there's a Democratic um, governor. What do you see as the challenges in working in the legislature and being um, a strong member of the Republican Party, but also kind of in that m- minority? How, 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 do you, how are you as effective as you are?
0: I mean, it's really, I mean, just be a good human being. You know, understanding that relationships are built by per- different personalities, right? Understanding, like, if you are uh, from the inner city of L.A., um, your, the way you grew up, your politics are going to be different than mine from the Central Valley. Yeah. And having that respect and being able to understand, like, listen, we're just going to have a difference of opinion. Just because an
1: assembly member puts a bill out there that you strongly disagree with and that you're going to oppose,
0: it doesn't mean you hate them. Right. Or, you're, or they're your enemy. And I think that's something that people absolutely have to understand. Even when you come in for lobby days, right? When you're talking to me as an elected official, right? Um, I'm a human being. I may have had a really crappy day. Something might be going on at home. You know, something might be screwing around with my bill in another committee. You know, I might have had an issue with, you know, another member, right? So when you come in, I, there might be all these other things that are going on. So when you have this open, honest, like helpful conversation, it goes so much further than just coming in, throwing darts and being like, you idiot, you don't agree with me on this. Like, you, you gotta be stupid. Right. There's a, there is a method to the madness of lobbying. And I will say like, I mean, firefighters are are always very good at that quite frankly, but there are certain groups where you're just like, okay, like that's not helping. Like you're actually, now you're just kind of ticking me off. Right. (laughs) And because at the end of the day, like we're humans, right. We're emotional. Right. I mean, we can put on a poker face pretty well, but when you have these conversations with members, or when we have member-to-member conversations, the key to success is never make it personal. Keep yeah. it about re- legislation.
1: I think the, the the lessons and the leadership that you, as members in in the legislature on both sides of the aisle, the ones that are leading, are really exampling that. And I think it's critically important. It's critically important to my membership, and it's critically important that that not only my membership understands it and hears it but they see it happen right. because it's it's like men and women if you're listening we there's certain things we should model as yeah. we go along and not being polarized and not hating some the other side for an issue
0: is one of those areas absolutely no it's it's remarkable i mean you know like you know today's enemy is tomorrow's friend yeah. right and i think that that, that mindset we really are Re-establishing within the building because I mean, when I first got here, it was there. I mean, I, I felt it, and I had great mentors. Um, I really did, you know. And once again, like coming out of the public safety world, you know, your first years when you're a rookie and you don't say a lot, you just shut up and listen, right? Yep. And I sort of took that same, you know, philosophy into public service and into politics. I think we're getting back to that really with this this last election cycle, um, with the, the colleagues on the Democratic side that got elected, uh, with the Republicans that got elected on our side are really uh for the most part good moderate members and we're not the national like we don't throw bombs at each other yeah. and, and i'm excited about that like I, I mean california deserves so much um our citizens deserve us to be you know professional this idea that just flame throwing on both sides is beneficial it benefits nobody except the individual yeah and um, politics is a team sport with a lot of really really big consequences other areas of interest to you
1: not not only for your district but um, California in general and maybe even if, if, if there's areas that those issues coincide or crossover um, for firefighters, you know what
0: do you got out there what are you looking
1: at? Yeah. Um, what partnerships are you envisioning?
0: Yeah, I think the it's not a new issue um, you know in my assembly district and really across the street if you do polling people care, you know public safety and homelessness is a big deal right. Um, you know, fentanyl crisis is a big deal. Um, Republicans have been very active on that. And it's a little bit harder, you know, for my Democratic colleagues to, to, to wrap their heads around some of that. And there's, there's reasons I mean, when you actually talk to them, I may not necessarily agree with them, but I certainly understand, you know, some of them. And, and quite honestly, I'll just be very blunt. It's, it's you know, maybe in the 80s, uh, the war on drugs, uh, we might've went too far one direction, right? Um, I feel like there's an overcorrection currently. And I think somewhere in the middle is where we need to be. And I am encouraged by some of the conversations I I would, public safety, the homeless crisis is something that we as a state must stay focused on. You know, uh, mental health um, is a huge, huge issue for a lot of us. I mean, if you talked obviously you talk to your membership all the time, but we know most of the homeless population by name. Yeah. We just simply do. Right. And I think until we are willing to address and, and, be very blunt, put certain groups on kind of quiet time and do the right thing. I mean, sometimes people need to go do things that they don't really want to do, but it's the best thing for them. Um, right now we don't really have that political will. Um, but I am, I'm encouraged because I feel like we're making progress. I feel like the governor has taken steps in the right direction on that. Maybe not as quite as fast as Republicans would think, but also understanding that he's, he's balancing things out himself. So,
1: yeah, it, I'll tell you what. If you know, in doing some of the field operations we've done, Heath, that is, an, if I go into a state, you and I could hit fire stations right now yeah. and ask what are. Give us three of the the biggest issues you're faced with. The number one thing they'll say is homeless response. Yeah, and um, I a hundred percent agree with you. It it's time for some folks to be made uncomfortable. Yeah. because what we're doing doesn't work. Yeah. And I don't care. You can talk to me till you're blue in the face. But when we can walk down different streets in different cities and and see what we see, yeah. it's not working. No.
0: It, it really is fascinating to me. Like, I, and I get it. Like, I don't, you know, want to step on anybody's toes. But it doesn't seem like a, a. I mean, it's a it's a hard fix. Oh, but yeah. it's not complicated. We know what to do.
1: Yes, and it's. And, Yes, and I think we're I think we're starting to see that with um, care court and some of the yep. other reform. Yep. Um, I mean, when you look at it, Heath, billions of dollars, federal, state, and local, are pumped into this issue. But it's like whatever it is we're doing, and, and this is, and it, there's no science involved in this. This is Brian Rice walking down the street in his city in his community. Every day, it seems like it's getting worse.
0: Yeah. Um, to back your point up there, since 2018, we have spent $20.6 billion on homelessness. Okay? Um, there's roughly 170,000 homeless people in the state of California currently. But we are talking about some big numbers with very, very little to show for it, just to be very honest. And, and I'm, I was a huge supporter of Cure court. I think that's a great first step. Um, you know, Going over to Portugal you know, and seeing how they deal with, you know, drug addiction, you know, and how they deal with mental health over there as it relates to drug addiction. I think there's some interesting concepts there. Um, Now you have a country of, I think Portugal's got 10 million people and 20,000 known drug users, you know, so the scale of magnitude is a little bit different, but I think there's maybe some things that we could look at differently as a state of California. And I do believe the governor's office is doing that. Um, Once again, it's probably not as fast as what I would like to, but... um, we're sort of like in this institutional change, a mindset change, and sometimes those things don't you know happen overnight, yeah so,
1: we're all human beings yeah. we all if if any one of us could sweep our hand across and it was over and people were healthy and not hurting and not in danger and were fed, and we would do it in a
0: heartbeat. but it's not that simple, yeah and even if you gave a dollar amount to most people said if you gave x dollar and we could wipe this out. I'm pretty sure we would all do that as well, right? Yeah. People, are, people do not want, we are, we are human beings. Like, we actually genuinely care about each other, yes. especially coming out of this world, right? And no, it breaks your heart. Like, when you see somebody, I mean, as frustrating as it is, but mm-hmm. when somebody's defecating on the street, you're like, oh, you serious? But then you're like, man, that is somebody's kid. Yeah. That's somebody's son. That's somebody's daughter, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a level of humanity that even myself, like, I've lost over time. Where like, it's just like you get so frustrated Heath, with the problem. We all have. yeah like it's We just, all have. So it's like, we need to fix this. And I do I do think that every now and then people need to go to places that they may not want to be so we can get them the help that they desperately deserve. So, yep.
1: Well, um, listen, um, today on the Firewire, I've had Assemblymember Heath Flora... Um, Heath, I want to thank you for joining me today on the Firewire. And as I've said, you have been a champion for our members in the legislature since the day you were sworn in. Um, I know that we will continue working together on issues um, that matter to firefighters and their family and that matter to Californians. And um, any last thoughts you want to leave us with?
0: No, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to you and your team Um, from the day that I got here, you know, working with, you know, Megan and Doug and your lobbying core who that just, it's, aw- it's awesome because in politics, you know, who you can trust, right. And you know, who you can't and CPF and your team is a group that I absolutely trust. Um, and that trust is built on, you know, years of relationships and, and years of working together. And so for the listeners that are out there, understand that you are in good hands with CPF, you're in good hands with this leadership team. And and I consider it a privilege to work with all of you um, on these issues, so thank you for inviting me.
1: Heath, I mirror all of that. It's just such a pleasure um, not not only to work together, but to touch base and and to bounce issues off each other. I appreciate um, your leadership, I appreciate your friendship and your partnership. And with that, I'm the CPF president, Brian Rice, This has been the CPF Firewire. Thank you for joining us and we'll catch everybody next time.
0: You can find CPF Firewire at Apple Podcasts, Spotify,
1: Podbean, or wherever you find podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.
0: You can also find CPF Firewire at the CPF website, www.cpf.org and on the CPF YouTube page. We're always interested in getting your feedback, comments, and criticism. Tell us what you'd like to hear about. Drop us a line, info at cpf.org. CPF Firewire is a production of California Professional Firefighters. Our producer is Carol Wills. Our engineer is Matt McDermott. Please join us next month for another edition of CPF Firewire.